from the United States of America. These are the greatest hits ever made. The big one. WTWW Lebanon, Tennessee, USA. Welcome to the Digicom Cafe, located at the intersection of faith and technology. We hope you enjoy your cafe experience where we cater to your digital and spiritual appetites, and build interest in the amateur radio hobby, one story at a time. Please stand by as we get ready to launch this episode of, Radio on the Rocks. You are about to listen to a Radio on the Rocks cafe cast, with your host, Denny J, K5DCC, in the Digicom Cafe Communications Network. Enjoy and participate in Denny's reality radio activities of the day, in this dynamic cafe cast, as he builds each daily episode, segment by segment, with amateur radio contacts, interviews, nets and interesting news from around the world. Now grab a glass, and fill it up with some radio on the rocks. Good afternoon, everybody. It's Friday, January 3rd, 2020, 4 o'clock p.m. Boy, my start times are getting later all the time. Anyway, I'm Denny J., host of Radio on the Rocks, my reality radio podcast, or cafe cast, where I attempt to build interest in the amateur radio hobby. One segment, one episode, one story at a time. Thank you for being here today. It's 47 degrees and cloudy skies today. Sun is trying to come out. In fact, it looks like we might even have a little bit of a sunset here tonight in about an hour or so. Uh, sun's really trying hard to peek out. We uh, have been busy preparing for this show today. We worked AO91 and AO92 this morning. Had some success on 92, no success on 91. Just too busy. But we did work a Calvin Spritzer, N3CAL. I like that call. He's from Lexington Park, Maryland. And uh, we did make a quick contact with him. We heard a maritime mobile station. That was unusual. So it wasn't the most satisfying pass. I tried not to jump in too much and make things worse. So I I put out maybe a call or two and uh, happened to get N3CAL. I looked him up on QRZ. It looks like uh, pretty active in digital modes and also satellites. So I'm hoping uh, to get an interview with him. I just sent an email off to him requesting permission to have him as my guest. And uh, I'm sure he will be a very interesting candidate too. But today we do have a very special guest. uh, One that we met on our Northwest Arkansas link system, repeater system. It's all analog FM. But we had a good conversation with K5XK of Bella Vista, Arkansas. And that goes for about an hour. But it was very interesting. He's a very bright and sharp guy. Uh, Retired just a little bit older than I am. But I hope you'll stick around and listen to this QSO. Basically a QSO. Because we were asking each other questions. It wasn't just my interviewing him. Uh, it's, It's like a regular QSO. So you may hear some things about myself that you've already heard before. But it was all new to him. But uh, we'll do that after our pass of AO92. And then later this evening, we may have another guest, uh, one that I worked on the bird the other day. So I may share that tonight. I may share it tomorrow. I'm not sure. So with that, I just want to welcome you to the Digicom Cafe for another episode of Radio on the Rocks. (music) 
Here at the Digicom Cafe Communications Network, we're all about the power of voice. Did you know you could listen to this Cafe Cast on your Echo Dot by simply asking Alexa to play Radio on the Rocks? I created this skill many months ago. I was looking for a way to do this very easily and quickly, and I ran across a very unique platform. It's called VoiceFlow. VoiceFlow is a wonderful platform that makes it easy to create powerful voice applications without any coding and faster than coding. There are many amazing tools out there to build voice apps, but their goal at VoiceFlow is to build the easiest, most powerful tool that gets as close to coding without needing to write a single line of code. So if you're interested in building your own Amazon skill for amateur radio, I suggest going to voiceflow.com and join their Facebook group, voiceflow.com. Each one is different. A different day, a different time, a different elevation, different conditions, different users using different gear. What am I talking about? Amateur radio satellites. Hi, I'm Denny, and my ham call sign is K5DCC. That's Kilo 5 Delta Charlie Charlie, as they hear me on the bird. This podcast is of my favorite pastimes. Each episode is a recording of one satellite pass with commentary. And now, stand by for my favorite pastime. This is my favorite pastime of AO91 for January 3rd, 2020. Start time is 1632. Duration 13 minutes and 23 seconds. Start direction 128 degrees southeast, ending at 5 degrees north. Maximum elevation 20.6 degrees. Alpha 
Maritime Mobile, K5 Delta, Charlie, Charlie, open rate 36. Thank you. 
she goes that was one busy pass <laughs> I decided not to uh, put up many calls because I've already worked most of those guys that were talking I'll let them work each other I did hear one new call but uh, didn't quite uh, get through to him so another day I'm gonna have to turn into a night owl when there's not so many people look up in the sky it's a bird. It's a plane. It's AO91. Sorry. It's not it's even serious. funny. Why else am I laughing? Oh you're my recording. goodness. Whew. Ready? Three, two, one. Look, up in the sky. <laughs> you know what? I love you. 
<laughs> you know what? This is going to be the tag afterwards, just for fun. <laughs>
uh, putting this together, and uh, the goal is to help build interest in amateur radio. I don't expect everybody to listen to it every day because some of them get up to an hour, hour and a half. I've had them as long as two hours, but it's kind of like fishing, you know. You keep casting your lure out there. They don't bite on every pass. They don't bite on every uh, bait, but uh, the, the thing is, is I want to have the... Uh, podcast world filled up with all these uh, experiences of amateur radio interviews and all kinds of things hoping that maybe someone will just stumble across it out of curiosity and uh, it doesn't uh, have a license and might uh, get interested but as it turns out I find out that I have a lot of loyal listeners and uh, it just keeps growing so I'm going to keep doing it having fun anyway uh, John I hope you would reconsider because I know you have a story too and uh, Ronald is that a yes then (laughs) Uh, I have an OF interview, K5XK in the group, K5DCC. Well, this is uh, K5XK. Well, how about that, Denny? Um, yeah, I'll uh, I'll be happy to visit with you. There's no telling what I will say. Uh, like my wife says, uh, she never knows what's going to come out of my mouth. Um, to use the old uh, telegraphic expression H-I. Uh, Denny, when was that um, uh, QSO today with uh, Eric Guth over in Israel uh, that uh, you two guys uh, did together? Uh, what was the timing on that? How long ago? Over. Oh, that was just, uh, I think, four weeks ago. It was over Thanksgiving, so it was about four weeks ago or more. Anyway, how that... Uh, started was I contacted Eric and had him as a guest on my podcast, and he had so much fun with it. And if you listen to QSO today, you know that uh, his podcasts are very regimented. Uh, he's very organized, very repeatable, and uh, he doesn't. He takes a week to prepare for his interview, sending out questions and giving his guest a t- chance to prepare and whatnot. And I'm more free-flowing, off-the-cuff, uh, spontaneous. I find people uh, really enjoy that more. They don't have to make it real professional. We're just uh, hams talking, having a QSO, and and uh, ask. I just kind of follow the the uh, conversation where it goes and ask appropriate questions based on what uh, my guests would say. Well, he actually contacted me after mine was posted, and he said, "Hey, do you mind if uh, we use yours, use our your podcast interview with me, and I can do it." on mine because it was kind of a two-way QSO, so I was asking you questions too, and I said, by all means. And as he said, it was off the rails compared to what he usually does, but he really enjoyed it, and uh, I feel like we uh, are good friends now, and I share his stuff. I want to see him grow too, and he was very encouraging for me. So I take it you listen to that one then. And Danny, I, I don't I don't remember where I left off when I was uh, when I was uh, looking at uh, at you, I think I was uh, uh, referred to you by uh, John K5 Delta Victor Tango or someone else, and um, and then I, I remember being somewhat confused as to um, uh, as to what all you do. Apparently, you're uh, uh, quite um, multi-talented and have a lot of. Um, uh, computer and software expertise from what I uh, <clears throat> what I had seen online. Uh, let me just uh, ask you, uh, assuming you're probably way ahead of uh, John and I both, 
spend eons ahead of K5XK on this topic, but what is your recommendation for migrating? For me, number one, migrating to Windows 10, and uh, is there a simpler way to accomplish what John is uh, looking for? K5 Delta Charlie Charlie, K5XK within 5SU, over. K5DCC in the group. Well, I'm no expert on Windows. I, I know enough to get around, but uh, I've been a Mac guy for years. When the first Macintosh came out, uh, I bought one. And back in that time, I was uh, in my career, which was printing, pre-press, and uh, working on a light table, you know, uh, putting together the flats to burn the plates for uh, four-color process printing. And when the Mac came out, uh, I immediately saw the future, told my friends, uh, Guys, uh, we're not going to be doing this forever. Computers are coming in, and we're going to do it all on computers. And they laughed at me, and they said, no way. So uh, I started out uh, with a QSL card business, just using McPaint, uh, just a pixel paint, black and white thing. And I came up with some very unique designs that kind of indicated kind of an embossed with shadowing and highlighting and stuff came up with some very cool cards for myself and then decided, uh, I bet I could sell these. So started New Dimension QSLs and uh, started advertising in all the ham magazines. And for the next five, six years, uh, grew from uh, jobbing, sourcing that out to actually printing it myself. Got a press and a cutter and had daily uh, shipments with UPS and orders coming in from all over the world. Cash in advance, that was pretty nice. And then the sunspot cycle changed and... Uh, Orders fell off because there's no more DX for a stretch, and so I shut it all down. But probably uh, have cars in every country in the world. So anyway, that whole thing uh, changed uh, my career and uh, the new developments with uh, PostScript and and uh, color and all kinds of stuff came into play. And I uh, bought all the software, trained myself, was doing seminars, and still my friends and in the pre-press world were just kind of poo-pooing it. Well, it didn't take too many years, and uh, they were out of a job, and I moved on helping to manage a company, pre-press, uh, electronic pre-press company, and, and uh, did very, very well for, for the next several years. So that was my uh, software foray, really. I'm not a programmer much. Uh, there's a lot I don't know, but I know a lot of smart people. But I have had a lot of fun. Let me reset here. I have had a lot of fun... Uh, Interfacing all this to radio, uh, like you, I think you mentioned in your biography on QRZ that you're into FT8. I'm into a lot of the digital modes, too. And uh, Last year, I've been really big in a lot of the different VoIP technology and bridging. Uh, we've got uh, a all-star node here at home on a Raspberry Pi. We've got one in the cloud with uh, DV switch software to bridge it to DMR. I've got a DMR talk group on uh, the TGIF network. I've got a DV switch server here where I can use an Android device like my RT4 and communicate on DMR, D-Star Fusion, P25, and NXDN uh, just going uh, through my little Raspberry Pi here. It's got a thumb DV in it. I like RTL SDR dongles. I've got my pan adapter on my Windows machine here just running right now as I monitor 40 meters and watch the activity go up and down. And I'm into satellites now and having a ball with that. And, of course, I try and share a lot of it on my podcast. So, uh, no, I'm not a whiz kid. I mean, there's a lot of people who know way more than I do. But, hey, they say if you know more than someone else, you can always help them. So that's what I'm trying to do. 
So uh, anyway, thanks for the uh, encouragement and kind words. Uh, well, that's that's cool. Well, I do recall that uh, uh, that uh, that you do work the satellites, and, uh, and that's that's pretty intriguing. Um, I guess when you're talking about satellite working satellites, Denny, um, there must be several different um, several different levels um, uh, and different ways of uh, of doing it. Um, I remember uh, uh, where I see guys who are using the, the handheld uh, two meter four forty cross polarized uh, and handheld Yagi's and HTs, and then others use uh, fairly sophisticated uh, software and hardware to um, uh, better track the uh, the birds and make uh, contact. So. Which uh, which approach do you use? Over well, I just got into satellites here back in October. Uh, what happened was I was uh, interviewing one of the hams, uh, K9EI, Michael, down in Texas. And in his interview, uh, in talking about what he's passionate about, he mentioned satellites. And it really piqued my interest. You know, I've heard about people working satellites for a long time. Just never got into it. I thought it t- takes too much money. and But uh, the more I thought about it, I thought, you know, I'm going to look into this. And that's part of what I'm I'm doing in my podcast is I'm pushing myself to stretch myself and go out and explore some of these other different modes of communication to uh, learn myself but also to have something to share. And I'm going into all these different groups. And there's, there's, uh, there's groups of hams in all kinds of different uh, modes of communication. And the satellite group is really interesting. So anyway, I was at my friend uh, James, WX5T, you may know him down here in Harrison. I was at his place one day, and I mentioned it to him, and he used to do some satellites, but got out of it. And I said, I'd, I'd like to do some of this, and it sounds like you don't need much. So we uh, downloaded on our iPhones some uh, satellite software and uh, checked to see if there's anything overhead. And here within 10 minutes was AO90, or SO50, I think it was. So we... Uh, Programmed it in, went out in the backyard there, and just like that, we could hear it clear as a bell. And I got hooked. And so I went home and did some more research. I've got two Baofeng UV-82s, only two watts. I uh, built, uh, well, first I used a uh, a whip antenna on one of them, and I started trying it with uh, the whip antenna, and I made several contacts. Went up to see our daughter up in Iowa, northeast Iowa, brought it with me, and uh Went out there in the country and stood out in the driveway and worked several stations just using my HT and a whip. But there's a lot of contacts I couldn't make and wasn't hearing it as clear as I could. So I uh, started uh, working on building my own Yagi, and uh, that worked for receipt but not transmit. So I finally broke down and bought the Arrow, which is a UHF, EHF Yagi, and that works fantastically well. I used both UV-82s, one on transmit, one on receive, one UHF, one VHF, low power, and I go out there during these uh, passes. In fact, we've got one coming up here in uh, just under four minutes. I might take a break and go out there and try and work this one, AO92. And then I uh, record them and I share the information on my podcast. Maybe you've heard that. So if you don't mind, I'm going to take a quick break. I'll come back to you. In fact, I'll bring my radio with me probably. I'm going to go out and work this bird here real quick. It's got a good uh, good easterly pass here. The um, Elevation is uh, not too low, but not too high. It works best if I 
have a fairly low elevation, and uh, it seems like uh, I get better luck that way. All right, uh, sounds good, uh, Danny. Go ahead and work uh, your contact and uh, let us know um, how that works out. This is K5XK. KN5SU. Okay, uh, I guess he's. We're not doubling. Let me release this. Well, uh, hope you had success there. That's kind of interesting. I, I still didn't understand what uh, what kind of uh, setup he is using now. He talked about using a whip uh, when he began. Anyway, uh, I never. That's that's never been on my bucket list, but I can see how it might be kind of interesting. K5XK, K5DCC. K5DCC, K5XK. Were you successful? Yep, sure, sure was. I heard uh, an old friend that's been active on our VoIP network on uh, Zello and things. I heard him out there in uh, Pennsylvania calling. Uh, he was just using an HT and a whip. And then there was another guy uh, out there in the uh, east, east area that I worked, uh, and his... Uh, signal was good and strong, and mine was, uh, I could hear myself coming back on my other radio, clear as a bell. It's amazing what you can do. I mean, it's uh, it's line of sight. The satellite uh, was probably, I think it's over 300 miles high, and I was probably getting close to, it was over 2,000 kilometers away, but we can hit it pretty well uh, from here. We're on top of a hill. We have no obstructions, no trees around us, so we've got good view on in every direction. So, had a successful contact. I'll uh, get that one logged and I'll share it on my podcast today. Well, Denny, um, man, my uh, uh, my memory is not what it uh, what it used to be, but uh, I do recall having tried to figure out exactly what you were doing, and I still don't have everything assimilated quite frankly. Um, but I did overhear um, uh, you work uh, you work several contacts um, with a, a particular satellite uh, pass overhead and it was absolutely fascinating. You are uh, you are one cool customer uh, on the air. And uh, it sounds like uh, a lot of the uh, community who is working the satellites must work one another fairly uh, fairly often. Is that the case, or uh, do you always hear and work uh, new and different people, or uh, do you primarily work the same people repetitively, uh, Or K5DCC. Well, there is some of that. Uh, of course, when you're new into it, you're just excited to make any contact. And as a newbie, we're all the same. We uh, we just jump out there and we throw out our call and we call people and we stumble across our call sign in Grid Square, you know, till you get used to it. It's it's a fast-paced uh, deal. It's like working a DX uh, contest and a DX pileup. But you have to be a, a little bit more situationally aware. 
that's been an issue here recently. Uh, this satellite community is very active on Twitter, and that's where they share a lot of things and uh, high-five one another and talk about who they worked and even share audio files because everybody records. If you're outside holding a handheld antenna and a radio, you don't have time to write anything down, so we, we record. And uh, so once I got past that, I worked a whole bunch of guys uh, uh, several times on many of them. They were very encouraging to me, but there's a, there's a bunch of them out there that actually spend money going out roving. And you know the size of a grid square. You've got to go quite a ways to get out of your grid square. And some of these guys travel, you know, hundreds and thousands of miles to get into a grid square that is uh, unpopulated by hams and uh, just work the birds for a period of a day or two or three and, and help other people get the, that particular grid square on their map and establish a contact and log it on Logbook of the World. So uh, I've been pulling back a little bit uh, because there are, I think I'm helping to build interest in it. There's a lot of new people coming in. In fact, on this pass, I heard two handheld guys, and they were sounding really good, uh, very, very good. So I make my contact or two, and then I back off because there's a lot of people wanting to make contacts. And if there's a rover out there, I pretty much listen. I might throw out a call if I want to work them, uh, but then I'll back away and, and let them do it because they spend money to go out there in, in that location and rove. And I want them to uh, be taken advantage of and have everybody get their chance to work them. So uh, there's a lot of talk lately about uh, some of the newbies coming in and they're stepping on everybody and they're not listening. They're talking over people and it can be kind of chaotic. Uh, so we need to stress the situational awareness deal. Listen first. Make sure you're not uh, hindering a contact from happening. And uh, it's fun, though. I enjoy it. Well, that is interesting. Quite interesting indeed. Um, there's a, um, uh, a fairly young ham that lives over in Siloam Springs, works in Fayetteville, and uh, he has um, uh, he takes uh, he takes his gear with him to work and uh, goes out on his lunch hour and breaks in the downtown Fayetteville area and uh, says he tries to make contact, but he says it's very, uh, it's very iffy in his case. Uh, would you, uh, what are the variables? Uh, is it the specific satellite, or um, do you, um, does it, is it dependent on the, uh, on the weather, on the, uh, on the, the gain antenna? Uh, what would, uh, how would you address that? Well, it's kind of like the intro to my uh, my favorite pastime segment of my podcast. Everyone is different. Different weather conditions, different satellites, different band conditions, different elevation, different equipment, different, you know, it's just so many factors. Uh, I generally have success at making contacts on the FM birds. There are some on like a holiday, like before Christmas, everybody's home and all the guys are active. And it was very frustrating for a lot of people. It was a lot of noise, a lot of stepping on each other. Well, you can imagine. Imagine this repeater system having more than 10 people trying to work a DX station or something. I mean, it would be chaos. Well, now you've got, who knows, hundreds. A lot of people with HTs just giving it a shot to see what happens. So you've got all that added noise going up to the bird, and, uh, yeah, it can be frustrating. But those passes come uh, different times of the day. Uh, if you want to be a night owl, you can work it after dark. It's not so crowded. 
especially if it's after everybody's bedtime. I've, I've been uh, out after midnight and working a bird and didn't hear a soul <laughs> except the announcement on the uh, satellite. So uh, you got to pick your time of day maybe. Uh, obviously in the wintertime it's no fun to stand outside and hold an antenna and a radio. Fortunately, we've had great weather here, so like today, it's uh, almost 50 degrees. There's a lot of people that can do it indoors. They'll have the big beam with rotors set up, you know, and they'll uh, they'll use their uh, dual 817s for some of the linears, which are sideband, and uh, that's that's a whole different game. Plenty of room there. Uh, I've got a TM Kenwood TM71A here that uh, is a full duplex radio. And I've tried it with my vertical antenna and made contacts from in the house. So if it gets cold, I'll resort to using that. So there's a lot of ways to skin this cat. And it's rewarding when you make those contacts, especially when you can hear yourself and realize that these birds are, you know, a couple thousand kilometers away on those low passes. And someone on the other side of that uh, could come in with an HT maybe. And you could, you could actually make a contact with someone from uh, over 5,000 kilometers away. That's incredible. This is K5XK. Well, that is uh, fascinating. Um, out of curiosity, um, at any given time, uh, what is the what's the potential coverage area uh, on a uh, on a typical pass? Is uh, is it known? I mean, I guess it depends on the uh, on the specific satellite and their uh, um, altitude. But uh, are we talking hundreds of miles or thousands of miles uh, at the, uh, at, I guess it would be thousands of miles if you were hearing your friend in, um, uh, in Pennsylvania on that uh, particular path. Yeah, the footprints of uh, these LEOs, they call them, low Earth orbit satellites, are, are pretty high. If they're coming straight overhead, it pretty much covers the whole U.S., and, uh, of course, if you're working one that's got a low pass in either east or west, you can imagine coming in on the one side of that and going out to someone on the other side of that who has got a low westerly pass. Well, then you really get some great distance, and, and it could be thousands of miles very easily. And you could do it with uh, one water, too. I mean, these little UV-82s, I got one of the, a couple of the older models, and I think it's only two watts, if that. And uh, I could hear myself clear as a bell coming back out of my uh, receive radio. Uh, you'll, you'll have to listen to the podcast today when I when I get this uh, segment up, and you'll be impressed with how clear it is. A lot of the guys will wear headphones uh, so they don't uh, get that feedback sound. To me, I like that feedback sound, and a lot of people do have it. it. To me, it doesn't detract at all. It just tells me, ah, there's a guy that's solid into this uh, satellite, so... But there's a, there's just a lot of different people, a lot of different radios and the conditions, and you know you don't you don't get worked up over it. If, of course, if you're doing a, a a roving trip, we had this one guy was out uh, out west going through all these desolate places, and he'd pull off the road and he'd work the bird for a while, and he'd keep going and into another uh, grid square and work it again. And I mean, he spent hundreds of dollars on this trip, and he worked uh, gobs and gobs of people. But, yeah, there is a pretty uh, well-known group of regular hams on satellites. And after a while, after you've worked them all, you think, well, this is kind of silly. And I know a lot of them have come in for a period, and then they leave. They lose interest because it's just all you're doing is sharing uh, uh, your call sign and grid square and making that contact. And once you've talked to everybody, uh, there's not much else to do. 
it'd be nice if we could get a geostationary satellite here over the U.S., and I think they're talking about it, kind of like the QO100 that's uh, put out by some guy in Qatar. It's uh, over North Africa, and it covers all of Europe and Africa and even to the uh, west or east coast of South America, all over the mid- Middle East. And it's just up there. It's a 10 gigahertz band spectrum, including everything, FT8, FM, sideband, the whole schmear, uh, and it's up around the clock. That would be a cool thing to have. Well, you know, Denny, um, that's one of the cool things about uh, this hobby. Uh, I've been a ham for 57 years, and... Um, well, you're not that uh, much younger than I am. If you were born in 51, I was born in early 48. But um, there are just so many facets of the hobby. Um, you know, it's sort of a collection of um, of many hobbies within the overall umbrella of amateur radio. And I'm sure you would uh, agree because that's what we're talking about here uh, with this particular segment of the hobby, working the birds. Um, But uh, I think back to um, a field day over here, and uh, we tried to get somebody to um, come over and make a satellite contact uh, for the demonstration purposes for uh, this uh, crowd of new hams that we had at, uh, at field day here this past year. And um, and also you get bonus points at field day for a satellite contact. Um, I remember a few years ago we had actually had a, an old farts field day that I organized with uh, some friends from uh, primarily down in the River Valley when I was a kid in Little Rock as a novice. Uh, one of those guys uh, now lives in Bella Vista. Well, anyway, uh, we went down to Mount Nebo for a field day, and uh, uh, one of the guys was uh, trying to make a uh, satellite contact uh, on CW using Morse code, and with the Doppler effect, he was chasing signals uh, down the band, as I recall. That was a particularly uh, strange one. K5DCC, K5XK. Well, you know, I kind of think uh, working CW would be a lot easier than chasing a sideband signal. I've uh, done some playing around with that. I've been monitoring some of the uh, linear birds, and trying to chase a sideband signal is uh, that's a challenge. Of course, you can do that with software uh, programs like OmniRig or uh, PC32. Uh, you can just connect that to your radio and set to whatever satellite you want to work, and it'll... It'll control your frequencies for you as it passes overhead. Uh, but to do it manually, that's a challenge. CW would be much easier. I mean, you can hear uh, the tone, audio tone uh, of various frequencies very easily. So it can it can move on you, and it's not a big deal. RZ.com map and the line that is drawn from my location to your specific location in northern Boone County, it's almost exactly... Uh, east-west, Denny, and uh, I can see you uh, situated out east of Omaha, uh, closer to, um, I guess that's Bull Shoals Lake uh, coming down. How far are you from uh, Water's Edge? Oh, we're only a mile, probably a mile and a half. Uh, We've got uh, Bear Creek just uh, down below the, the ridge that we're on. 
and that runs right into Bull Shoals. So, uh, yeah, this is pretty country out here. I love it. So we're probably, what, uh, probably 100 miles away from each other? My wife and I have a um, uh, quite an affinity for Boone County. Uh, as a matter of fact, we spent our 30th wedding anniversary at Lead Hill Diamond City. Ah, sure. <laughs> That's a beautiful area, beautiful park, lots of boating there. We've spent a lot of time there uh, swimming with our grandchildren and whatnot, uh, visiting people that are camping there. But uh, it's been rather unpredictable with the uh, waters coming up in the spring so high. It's uh, gone up like 40 feet, and it uh, totally floods out the campgrounds. Well, not quite totally, but most of the sites are underwater. I don't know how they can maintain that thing. So, But, yeah, that's not very far from us at all here. We're uh, just on 14, and you probably come down 14 to get to Diamond City, so you go right by our place practically. We're just... Uh, up off 14, up the road, and uh, up on top of one of the hills here. So uh, how did you uh, first get into amateur radio? You were just a young boy, weren't you? Yeah, I was a, um, I was a Boy Scout at the time and uh, working on a, um, a crystal radio uh, project that, uh, for scouting that I could not get to work. And all I knew was that I had a neighbor with a um, uh, a large, strange-looking antenna on his roof, and um, I got so frustrated trying to uh, get this crystal radio to work with the little cat whisker Galena crystal, and the um, uh, the wire wrapped around the uh, oatmeal box. I went over and knocked on his door with my little radio project, and uh, in. Uh, I don't know if we had ever talked or not, but um, I asked if he had any idea what uh, what my problem was, and he looked at it, and in less than uh, 10 seconds says, well, Ronnie boy, I see your problem right here, uh, and it's, it's primarily uh, an issue of uh, you're using enamel-coated wire, and you've got to uh, strip that uh, enamel coating off so that the copper wire is making contact. I bet it'll work, but while you're here, come on in and let me show you what I do. And uh, the rest is history. Oh, that's amazing. Well, uh, this is all being recorded, you know, on my ID31A, so it's not the highest quality audio, uh, but rather than repeat everything, we could use that for this interview if you like. <laughs> well, you use it uh, however like if there's anything that uh, that I say that might be of any uh, of any interest or value to anyone else. Uh, you're my kind of guy, man. Um, I was in uh, radio and television for uh, decades, and, um, you know, eventually, like uh, most news guys in small markets, um, I was almost literally drug into the advertising sales department. Because uh, all uh, all small small market stations need uh, extra help uh, marketing and selling uh, their advertising, and I absolutely hated it, despised it. Because for the first time, um, people were telling me no. When I was a news reporter uh, in radio and television, I I honestly cannot think of a, a single time when I 
that I could not get someone to talk to me uh, on the air, on the record. Um, but uh, when you're going out and asking for a business person's, um, in some cases, um, advertising dollar that uh, is unbudgeted, um, they're quick to tell you no. And uh, I finally figured out a way, just uh, uh, utilizing some of my techniques in interviewing others in radio and television, and applied that uh, in the uh, advertising field for the uh, station, that actually made it a uh, pleasurable uh, experience. And so I I, uh, learned how to sell advertising by utilizing interviewing principles. In my particular case, um, I would sit across the desk uh, in many cases or across the aisle or it might be a stand-up conversation out in front of his place of business, his or her place of business, and um, uh, start interviewing them about their business, just treating them as if uh, it was going to be a good news business story, and then eventually I would read back to them a commercial that I had uh, scratched out while listening to them, and all of a sudden they would say, how much did you say that cost? K5 Delta Charlie Charlie K5XK. Very good, very good, K5XK, K5DCC. But anyway, well, that's great. Uh, so of all the years that you've been a ham, uh, what is your favorite mode of communication? Well, Denny, the conversation is going to take a, um, a strange and dark turn at this point because I am have always been primarily... Uh, into Morse code. I guess that dates back to being a teenager and being a novice. Um, We were, as a novice, you're only allowed um, to use um, Morse code on HF. And um, I couldn't afford a, uh, a, what we would call a phone radio, a phone rig at the time, nor much less a microphone. And uh, so I used um, Morse code or CW for years and years, and uh, then eventually migrated into uh, 75 meter AM with a uh, Heath kit uh, radio that I built from a kit, a DX of 60, and earlier um, an older model uh, Heath kit transmitter, and sort of dipped my toes into the AM side of the business. My uh, novice call was WN5BQI. Back in those days, uh, you had an N inserted between uh, the W and the uh, call letter district, or a K in the N in the call letter district. So I was WN5BQI, and when I got my general class license, uh, I became WA5BQI. I referred to myself as uh, WA5Big Quick Indian, and uh, the acronym was a little different with my buddies. They called me uh, Big Quacking Idiot, K5BCC, K5XK. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah, there's a lot of people look at us with... Uh raised eyebrows just like what are you doing it uh, takes a special kind of person i think to uh, get into ham radio from what i've i've found uh 
I've tried to get some of my family members into it, but they're they're not interested. My wife is a licensed ham, though. She did that as a gift for uh, me on our anniversary years ago. Her call is KF5KLS, which for her stands for Keep Life Simple. In other words, don't pick up a radio. <laughs> but uh, anyway, uh, we do use some of the VoIP technologies to communicate with one another sometimes. Uh, yeah, CW is fun. I had a lot of fun with CW, and I had a lot of fun with heat kits, too. Uh, years ago, I built my own complete station, SB-102, SB-200 linear, 630 station console, uh, HD-something electronic gear, and uh, I used that for many years. I loved it. It only took me three days to build it. I was up uh, around the clock, and boy, was I afraid to turn that thing on and I was afraid we were going to have smoke coming out and fried parts, but uh, everything worked fine. It was a very reliable radio. In fact, I even used that uh, SB-102 mobile, and, man, every time I key up that microphone, the headlights would dim down. But uh, those were those were good days. I did get out of the hobby for a short stint. Uh, when I did come back, I bought a uh, HW-8. I had electronic keyer, and uh, I made a 20-meter folded dipole out of uh, FM radio. Uh, wire, double wire, and strung it across the living room, and for a whole year, that's all I did was work uh, Morse code. Got my code speed up to about 35 words a minute and uh, worked the world with that and a little 5 watts or something like that. So I'm kind of uh, a code fan, too, although I've been away from it for a while. I'm trying to get back into it. At this age, it's uh, it's a good thing to do to keep your brain sharp, isn't it? K5XK, K5DCC. K5XK. Well, I just looked up your buddy uh, James WX5T over there. Wow, what a uh, what a cool station. It looks more like a uh, professional broadcast uh, station than a ham shack. It's hard to call that a shack. I can't believe that big Collins transmitter he's uh, showing over there. It looks like he's uh, fairly multi-dimensional in the hobby, and he looks a lot younger than. Um, than his age would indicate, um, uh, you know, some of the older um, QRZ uh, bio pages uh, still will indicate a, the, a birth year. And I see he and I were both uh, born in 48. But uh, I'm wondering if that's a real old photo because he, uh, he looks awfully youthful in that, uh, in that QRZ bio photo. That's his garage. And uh, he has a nice collection of all kinds of old rigs. That's uh, that's not showing a whole lot there. That's just his main desk. He's been in a ham radio hobby for a long, long time and has done a lot of different things. And he's a very dear friend. Uh, we get together regularly. His wife is licensed, too, and we have uh, several other uh, couples here in this area that are licensed hams. And we have eyeball QSOs and dinners uh, quite regularly, so nice to have friends like that. That's a nice thing about a system like this, too, local. Uh, you can uh, get together at club meetings and meet one another, and I'm sure you guys have got a great club going where you're at, too. You're part of the Bella Vista Club, right? Well, um, yeah, we've, um, Bella Vista Group is up uh, around 150 members all together now, but uh, it's not all about numbers. Um, we're trying to um, pattern the club over here after the old Northwest Arkansas Amateur Radio Club that was um, extraordinary um, for decades, really, up until the mid-90s when um, there was a very one-dimensional 
gentleman who was um, uh, elected president and uh, the HFers split uh, when they were looking for an organization that was uh, more multidimensional than just a shack on the belt type of uh, uh, operation. But uh, anyway, I, that was the utopia. Um, those were utopia days for me in amateur radio. At the time, I was uh, on Mount Sequoia in Fayetteville, and uh, just the, uh, the peak of uh, the sunspot cycle, and just uh, I had a, a high-gain TH6DXX tribander uh, on a small tower up on the on Mount Sequoia, and literally worked the world. So many doors were open to me all over the world uh, by so many uh, interesting people and uh, free countries, communist countries. Um, in fact, I still have many uh, close relationships uh, even today. I was uh, reacquainted with some um, old German friends from my years in Germany. I was Delta Alpha 2 Echo Romeo and the Mars Club officer of uh, the uh, unit's uh, military uh, German station, DL5AG. And uh, a few years later, was able to go back to Germany when one of my sons was stationed over there, and I had a 40-year reunion with uh, those old German friends. They surprised me by taking me up into the Liechtenstein Alps and down to uh, into Austria uh, to a club station and an old um, monastery. And so I was DX for the day, uh, HB0 stroke K5XK and Oscar Echo stroke K5XK. And that was seeing those guys again after 40 years and picking up where we left off and operating together was just an absolute blast. Yeah, very true. You can make some wonderful friends in this hobby. And I see on your QRZ page you're uh, talking about a weekly roundtable net 3830. Uh, is that still going? Absolutely, Denny. Um, and hopefully uh, you can join us uh, from time to time when your schedule allows at 4 o'clock on Sunday afternoon Central Time. It's a gathering that uh, I initiated uh, five years ago as a uh, tool to reactivate uh, inactive hams here in the Bella Vista area who had been members of the um, Bella Vista Repeater Group, which uh, morphed into the Bella Vista Radio Club in later years. And uh, that worked well, but um, it began attracting interest uh, from uh, a northwest Arkansas basis. And now um, the uh, television stations in the Joplin area uh, have branded this area the four-state area. I don't know if you've um, heard that. Probably not since you primarily watch uh, Springfield television there in Boone County. But anyway, the four-state area consists of southwest Missouri, northwest Arkansas, northeast Oklahoma, and southeast Kansas. And uh, we have guys check in from all over Arkansas, all over this region. But uh, they're mostly located in the four states uh, region here, and uh, it's um, informal 
conversation where we discuss uh, what's new in their shacks and in their uh, uh, in their areas and what they've been doing on the air and new things that they're implementing in the shack and new modes and uh, projects and um, it's uh, it, it you develop a, a close camaraderie probably uh, a lot like you've been describing through the birds K5DCC K5XK. Well, I definitely will uh, check it out. Uh, I imagine you probably get quite a few people checking in, too. Uh, I'd love to be able to uh, communicate with people in the region more. Um, I have been active in the past, a couple of years ago, in DMR with the 3105 uh, DMR net that I ran for a year. And uh, that uh, has gone by the wayside, I think. I haven't heard any more about it. But uh, after being in all the different VoIP technologies this past year, I'm kind of having a hankering for the old stuff again, the old school, and uh, coming back to analog and HF and things like that. It's uh, It's been a real fresh treat for me. I need to get back into doing CW more, too. So you can pretty much count on uh, seeing me. I would love to check in. And do you know my friend uh, Charles, who ran our net last night, NX5E, Charles Farmer? I have met uh, Charles and uh, his dad. Um, the last time I saw uh, Charles was at uh, the Pea Ridge tailgate event, which is something that you may want to consider coming over and experiencing uh, for yourself. Uh, it's held uh, in the spring and in the fall uh, at the uh, Pea Ridge City Park, not the uh, National Battlefield uh, National Park, but at the uh, city park, it's a, a half-day event on a Saturday morning, once in the spring and once in the fall, and it's very informal. Um, uh, we, we feed you. It's a great fellowship time, plus uh, uh, tailgating and uh, gear set up on the picnic tables and uh, on tailgate, and just imagine it's... Uh, I don't know if you've experienced anything like that, but uh, that's just a lot of fun. Bob Heil, K9EID, and his friend uh, Al Gallo, W0 Echo Romeo Echo, uh, from the Springfield and Highlandville area, um, uh, have uh, visited with us in the past and just had a a great time. In fact, Bob Heil, uh, K9EID, checks in with us uh, when he's available and not traveling on the uh, 3830 roundtable. So we would absolutely love to have you. Uh, One of the things that we've done as a radio club, BVRC, um, which is more of a regional radio club than a local club, um, is to have a a little CW roundup um, a month or so ago. And I guess we had a dozen of us or so who uh, were participating just within the club on a uh, Saturday night. And uh, so we anticipate doing that again. And uh, gosh, you don't have to have a roundup, man. I'll uh, I'll rattle a key or a bug or a key or hand key, whatever you're ready for anytime uh, you would like, uh, Denny. K5 Delta Charlie Charlie, K5XK. Well, that sounds fascinating. Uh, P Ridge has got a lot of history, as I understand it. We've never been there, so might have to take that in. And uh, I'll bring my satellite stuff along with, and uh, maybe we can do a satellite demonstration. That's the nice thing about the satellite stuff is uh, 
and I'm thinking about doing this, you can go out to like a Walmart parking lot or somewhere where a lot of uh, strangers are walking by all the time and do a demonstration. And who knows, you might uh, stir up some interest in some some people to get into ham radio and get their license and uh, join the, the fellowship. So anyway, uh, it's sure been uh, great meeting you and great talking to you, and this is going to make a great podcast. I think it'll be kind of unique to have it uh, done on radio, uh, show people what you can do with uh, FM repeaters and systems like this. Maybe we can interest some more people in joining your club, the Harrison Club, and uh, maybe we can all start working together to to keep these repeaters uh, warm and keep them active. It's been pretty active uh, since I've been in here. I guess it's always kind of busy here, isn't it? Well, you know, the uh, none of the repeaters are as busy as they really should be. And... Um you know, that was uh, addressed last night at, uh, at our BVRC meeting. Um, we had our second uh, program uh, with uh, Alpha Bravo 1 Oscar Charlie. Uh, Fred Kemmerer, who is president of the Nashua, New Hampshire Amateur Radio Society. Uh, their club call is November 1 Fox Delta. Uh, which they use it for field day and uh, other special events. It's an unbelievable uh, organization. Those guys have uh, an amazing amount of uh, energy and were designated as the Dayton Hamvention Club of the Year for 2019. And uh, so they did a program for us uh, uh, two or three months ago on the topic of uh, high-altitude ballooning, which they uh, integrated into some of the area schools up there as a uh, public relations effort, just uh, a fun club activity and as a means of uh, uh, recruiting new hams into the hobby. And um, that's quite fascinating. And But last night, his uh, topic was the road to... Uh, Dayton 2019 Club of the Year and all of the multifaceted things that uh, that they are doing and have done uh, that led to being selected as uh, Club of the Year for the Dayton Hamvention. And um, uh, anyway, he he made a comment and used an illustration about how inactive the um, the repeaters are all across the country. And so anyway, that's why I guess I made that comment that they're all somewhat underutilized. Well, Denny, it's been fun. Let's do it again. And uh, I know uh, uh, the guys uh, and I have talked about uh, uh, trying to get you on the uh, on the schedule for a uh, BVRC uh, club meeting. If you have um, high-speed Internet out there in the boondocks, uh, we could use Skype or Zoom uh, or something like that to make it a digital, uh, I mean a, a video uh, presentation. And uh, I know that's something that uh, we would very much love to do with you. Yeah, you betcha. I'd love to do it. And I do have a video cam here. Our Internet speeds aren't the fastest, so we don't have uh, probably the highest quality video. We're out in the boonies, so we've got DSL with uh, 4 meg down and 1 meg up. And I have so many things going on here uh, different digital modes that are running all the time, too. Uh, I might just shut them all off for something like that to maximize the data. But, yeah, I'd love to do that. 
So uh, anyway, I'll get uh, I'll get this stuff edited up here and put it on the podcast. I think you already know where to find it on the website. Uh, we're on over a, we're probably on a dozen different uh, podcast platforms right now, so it's uh, easily found by uh, most anybody, and uh, it keeps growing. I keep finding new subscribers coming all the time, so uh, I don't plan on ending it anytime soon. And it's very unique. I don't know anybody doing it quite like I'm doing it a reality radio podcast that's dynamic it changes until the end of the day when i button it up so i just keep adding segments i might even go back and modify a segment if i need to but everybody can join in whenever they want and see where i'm at and of course the last segment will tell you you've reached the end of this uh so far but more is to come so uh kind of kind of relaxing and enjoying it we will definitely be talking and uh i'm going to check into your net on Sunday afternoon. That sounds like a blast. Thank you very much uh, for your time, and uh, it's been very enjoyable. Looking forward to the next one. Tell you, buddy, uh, James, I'm looking forward to visiting with him and uh, meeting you guys in, in person in the near future, if, uh, if at all possible, Denny. Again, uh, thanks for the enjoyable morning. 73 from Benton County, K5DCC, K5XK. Good day. Thanks so much. God bless. Have a wonderful day. K5DCC will be clear and monitoring. CQ, CQ, CQ. Welcome to the Friday night edition of the Freewheelers, sponsored by the Freewheelers Amateur Radio Transmitting Society. The name here is Ron, Romeo Oscar November. My call sign is Kilo Charlie Zero, Kilo Mike Oscar. I'm located in the little town of Nortonville in northeast Kansas. I will be your net control tonight along with Jimmy, KC0MQS, and we'll have a little bit of help from Bill, W5WHK. Sorry, I had a frog. I will be operating under the call sign of Whiskey 4, Foxtrot Charlie Whiskey. That call sign belonged to Ken Odom, who started this net in 1998. The Freewheelers net is a camaraderie net. We like to keep the family friendly by avoiding off-color jokes and controversial topics such as religion or politics. This is not an emergency net, but if there is an emergency, just, just call Break Break and we will give you all the help we possibly can. Is there any emergency or priority traffic at this time? Nothing heard. We're going to do two rounds with our second round being a 73 round. Border to border and coast to coast, this is the Freewheelers on a Friday night. And the first thing I'm going to do is go right back to Pete. KE5GGY on Stone Mountain for the Wayback Machine, please, Pete. Thank you, Kokomo. Good evening, Freewheelers, and welcome to the Friday night edition of the Wayback Machine. Here we go, taking you back for this first Friday of 2020. This Friday, January 3rd, third day, of course, of the year. And as we count down to 2021, 363 days. Here we go, 363 left in the year. All right, a number of things to tell you about, including uh, the invention of oleomargarine on this day. Yes, 1871 was the momentous year. And uh, oleomargarine, most of us take that for granted, uh, but uh, originally it came out in, in plastic bags with a, with a tab inside the bag. That was, uh, that was pretty uh, primitive, but it was 1871 on this day. Also, the drinking straw, 1888, Marvin Stone of Washington. And uh, the drinking straw, of course, under big attack now. You almost have to ask for it and beg for it at restaurants. But Marvin Stone, way to go on this day in 1888. Let's 
see what else do we have. We've got some World War II history for you. 1945, Allied forces landing on the west coast of Burma on this day. Uh, 1947, congressional proceedings were televised for the first time in the U.S. as viewers in Washington, Philly, and New York uh, saw the opening ceremonies of the 80th Congress. I bet you that was exciting. That was the uh, debut of C-SPAN television. Here's one for you. Technology history. 1957, the Hamilton Watch Company was the first to introduce an electric watch. Alice Standard in the world. That was 1957. 1959, the 49th state of the Union came into the Union, and it was Alaska entering on this day in 1959. It was uh, the last frontier and uh, the land of the midnight sun admitted on this date to the Union. Let's see what else can I find. Uh, 1964, Barry Goldwater announcing he was a candidate for the U.S. presidency. Uh, got beat pretty badly by LBJ and really was a uh, suffered a defeat in, in the ad campaign. There was a pretty uh, sensational and inaccurate ad that was run. Uh, but Barry Goldwater, a ham radio operator and a good guy, great guy, would have been a great president. But uh, 1964, on this day, announcing the candidacy. 1967, Jack Ruby dies in a Dallas hospital. It was Ruby, as you'll recall, that shot and killed Lee Harvey Oswald. And uh, many of the people that have written about the Kennedy assassination say the death, a rather sudden death of Jack Ruby and how he got cancer is very suspicious. So a lot of conspiracy theories continue in, uh, in that area. Let's see, what else do we have? A couple other things. This is kind of interesting. Humble beginnings of Apple Computer Company. It was on this day in 1977 that uh, Steve Jobs and who was it? Uh, Steve Wozniak, I think, was his uh, roommate. Started Apple, got the trademarks uh, for Apple, and they incorporated the company in the state of California on this day, 1977. And that's going to be it for history. I do have some number one songs for you. Here's what you're listening to on the radio. Back in the day, 1951, it was Tennessee Waltz by Patti Page. 1960, El Paso by Marty Robbins. Now there's a song for you. 1969, the Wichita lineman, Glenn Campbell, was number one. And 1978, How Deep Is Your Love Be Heaves, on top of the charts. And as we close out the way back tonight, I want to just uh, say that we're praying for our very own Wichita lineman, N0RAB. Boland is in the Wesley Hospital in Wichita, and I sent him a text tonight just uh, indicating and telling him that everybody on 3916 and 3855 uh, were praying for him. I haven't heard back. I'm going to try to give him a call tomorrow, but uh, our good friend Roland, who has been uh, traveling and so busy over the last uh, 10, 15 years that I've known him, uh, is uh, fighting for his life now in that uh, hospital in the Wichita area and a diagnosis of uh, cancer, and he's on uh, 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 kidney dialysis. So he's uh, apparently going to start chemo, and he's got a uh, he's got a real battle in front of him. So lift up our brother, and just a great a great ham operator. And many of you have met uh, Roland, and, and you can see him. He's at Hambury every year, N0RAB, so our prayers going out to him. And that's all I've got, guys. W4FCW and the Freewheelers. Let's do it to it. KE5GGY. Today's daily devotional is entitled Christian Equality. Numbers 27.7 reads, The daughters of Zelophehad speak what is right. You shall surely give them a possession of inheritance among their father's brothers and cause the inheritance of their father to pass to them. 
Genesis 1.27 tells us, So God created man in his own image, and the image of God he created him, male and female he created them. In a day when women are fighting to be seen and treated as equal with men, it is important that we understand this one thing. At the cross, in the presence of God, men and women are equal. We know this from Galatians 3.28. God has established roles for each of us, but when it comes down to it, we're all equal. The greatest example of this equality and distinction of roles is God himself. The Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit are equally God, yet they each play a specific role in our lives. They do not try to outdo one another in an attempt to be superior as they are equally God and are God himself, but respect the role that the other plays in our lives. In this passage, I must say that I respect the approach taken by the daughters of Zelophehad. They were not boisterous or disrespectful. They were not looking to have more rights than men, and they were not looking to be given special treatment. And they were simply looking to protect their rights as it pertained to honoring their father. In return, God honored their request. As Christians, we should be treating one another with love and respect. Before God tells the woman to submit to her husband and the man to love his wife, he says this to us as Christians in Ephesians 5.21, submitting to one another in the fear of God. Uh, the Apostle Paul goes on to spell out the role of both the wife and the husband in respect to how they are to treat one another. The wife is to submit to her husband, and the husband is to love his wife. And we know from Ephesians 5.22-32. Sadly, there's been a mindset within the church that says that submission means that the person who is submitting is inferior, the wife, and uh, must obey every command of the one who is superior, the husband, even if the request is unreasonable and ungodly. This has led uh, to many abusive relationships and men who essentially bully their wives. In an attempt to come out from under this kind of behavior and treatment, women have taken on the mindset of the world and essentially doing what Eve did in the garden and taking the leadership role that has been assigned to the man and doing all they can to portray men, men as sheepish, ignorant, and incapable of leading. Men, we need to stand up and lead as God has called us to lead and doing it in a way that honors God. This means that we must treat those whom we are called to lead with respect and honor. 1 Peter 3.7 reads, Husbands, likewise dwell with them with understanding, giving honor to the wife as to the weaker vessel, as being heirs together of the grace of life, that your prayers may not be hindered. Notice that the Apostle Peter did not say, quote-unquote, treat the wife like a weaker vessel. He said, quote, giving honor to the wife. In other words, esteem her, treat her with worth, and praise her protecting her, providing for her, and letting her know how much she is appreciated. It's no secret that most women have been created physically weaker than men have. However, this does not mean that they are weaker in their ability to think. Women can be as talented as men, and in some areas even more talented. The roles that have been assigned uh, to each of us as Christian men and women, husbands and wives, fathers and mothers, are not to be looked down upon as being inferior or looked up as superior to one another. For in Christ, we're all equal. Galatians 3.28 clearly states, There is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither slave nor free, there is neither male nor female, You for you are all one in Christ Jesus. If we carry out our roles as God has assigned them, we will receive reward in due time. 
Women were created for God's glory just as men were. When a man follows the Lord and does his best to lead righteously in accordance to God's word, and a woman follows in righteousness and is the helpmate that God desires her to be, they both honor God. If a Christian woman feels she's being treated unfairly or abused by a Christian man, she has the right to bring her concerns before God and to the ones who are called to, be the, uh, to lead the church as under-shepherds of Christ. And that's what these daughters did when they brought their concern and request to Moses. As God's people, we must not allow ourselves to be foolishly drawn into the world's thinking when it comes to what equality uh, between men and women means. We must do all we can to preserve the roles that were laid out for us as Christian men and women so that our lives and relationships model that uh, of the relationship that exists with the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit so that God will be honored in our lives and before the world. Today, God extends an invitation to you to accept this gift of salvation. Will you accept it? Anyone who calls on Jesus by faith and repentance, confessing your sins, will receive eternal life. Do not put off calling on Him and receive Him in His free gift of salvation today. Thank you for visiting and listening to this radio on the Rocks Cafe cast. This podcast can be heard on Apple, Google, Spotify, and Stitcher apps, plus the embedded anchor.fm widget at digiconcafe.com. You can also listen to all of our cafe casts on your Amazon devices by asking Alexa to play radio on the rocks. Now, please stand by for a word from one of our sponsors. Is there somebody that you know that's trying to get their ham ticket? Trying to ham test online. It's easy. There's no drudgery to it. There's no dread to it. And right now you can get the technician exam study guide that's normally $29.95. And right now during this sale price, it's only $19.95. That's right. That's the technical study guide for the tech license for HamTest Online. Now let them log into HamTest Online and let them follow the program study guide. They'll get their ticket in a matter of a few days. Right now, the price is reduced to $19.95. So get online. And if you've already got all of your tickets, then ham it forward by buying this study program for someone who's trying and wants to get into ham radio. HamTestOnline.com. That's HamTestOnline.com. <laughs> 